I was just thinking on the way here, I've got like the and kind of almost normal voice for the first time in like a month. And then we had to go and sing that song. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not sure what it's going to do now, but I'm glad to, glad to be with you guys. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Uh, I know Nathan mentioned, you know, it's, uh, uh, this can be a tough time of the year for a lot of people. And for a lot of us, it also brings a lot of great memories. And, uh, you know, we're going to make new memories this year and all those things. And uh, I, I pray that uh, uh, if uh, you're in one of those tough times that you'd reach out, let us know, let us care for you, see if there are things that we can do for you and that sort of thing. But uh, uh, we, we want to be here for you if we can be. Um, so today's tricky. It's not really that tricky, but it's kind of tricky. It's, it's misleading, I guess, really more than anything, because we've got the whole Christmassy thing going, like we're starting the Christmassy thing. And we are starting the Christmassy thing, but we're also finishing the Romans thing, um, except for that one passage that we skipped, and I'm going to do that at the end of the year. So don't, you know, after the Christmassy stuff, after the other Christmassy stuff. So, uh, but uh, anyway, I'm, I'm excited to get to share this. This is such a powerful passage of Scripture. Um, and this coupled with, you know, what, we, what, what I taught last week, um, you know, really these, and I shared this passage last week, but I didn't talk too much about it. Uh, because I didn't want to ruin this week, but uh, uh, all together, this passage is such a powerful passage um, that, uh, you know, especially if you missed last week, you know, maybe go listen, uh, at least go study the passage before this. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into it today uh, because I want to kind of stick to where we are and I want to celebrate Jesus and, and this time of year and uh, remembering him and, and, and what God has done and sending him to us. Uh, I think that you know, it's easy for us, we, we know it's so easy for us to get caught up in Christmas and it be, you know, about like whatever, you know, earthly Christmas things, you know, that we do. You know, yesterday we had uh, parades. Anybody make it to a parade yesterday? We've got a show of hands of parade attendees yesterday. Any parades? You know, okay. A few of you just like, I'm so lazy right now. I'm not, I'm not raising my hand, Chris. I'm just, I don't care. Not participating in your games today. Um, Fine, be that way. Um, uh, you know, we, uh, of course, we, we kind of host, in a way, the, the, the Pleasant View Parade. It starts here in our parking lot, uh, and uh, our parking team is so gracious every year uh, to help with uh, the lineup of that, which is just mass chaos, just to be honest with you, but they do a fantastic job, uh, and I'm so thankful for those guys. Uh, and uh, so that was happening yesterday out here and all this, and uh, my kids will start lingering around sometimes and kind of like looking at me like, are we, are we, you know, they, they kind of, they don't ask, they don't ever come out and ask, but I know what they're thinking. They're like, are we going to, are we going to get in the parade? Are we going to go in the parade? And I didn't, I didn't drive like any old cars yesterday to the parade because it was raining. And, uh, anyway, we, we were here and, you know, there are a couple of my kids are lingering around and I'm well aware that they won't linger much longer in life as they keep getting older. And, and, uh, I thought, you know, we probably need to get in this parade. So we, we jumped in the parade. You know, we were, we were the best-looking forerunner in the parade, that's for sure. And, uh, and that's okay because it's, you know, it's probably the best color of any vehicle in the parade, too, if I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, and I'll judge, I'll judge somebody's car like that, I mean, just that quick. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, we, we rode through the parade, had a good time. You know, and there are all these things that I know, you know, that for us, you know, that are Christmas things, nothing, and there's nothing wrong with them. 
But, you know, like, uh, you know, my immediate was like, of course, the kids are like, we got we to gotta blare some music. And I'm like, yeah, you know, let's be cool, you know. And so, you know, they're like, well, you pick it. You pick it, Dad. We're going to let you pick it. And I was like, Gracie, you pick it. No, I'm not going to pick it. You pick it. And I was like, okay. I was like, you know, well, what's what everybody else is not going to play? Uh, let's go run DMC Christmas in Hollis. And so that's what, that's what, we, that's what we did all through the parade. I don't know if anybody else was playing Run DMC in the parade yesterday, but we played it the entire time on a loop, and we were blasting. You know, we were having a good time. Um, it's so you know, and, and again, nothing wrong with that. A lot of fun, right? But it's easy to forget what God's done. He sent His Son Jesus, and God came here to be with us. And that's unbelievable. It's so amazing. And I think that if we're not careful, we can be so excited about the other things that maybe we forget the thing, right? And today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about hope. Let's do that. So if you've got a Bible, let's go to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles there, waiting with pure joy to bring you a Bible. If you'll just throw your hand up, let them know that you need it. Uh, they'll uh, either hand it to you or throw it at your head or something, but uh, we'd love for you to have it. And if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that one. We'd love to give it to you today, and it can be a gift, and uh, you can take it home with you. But uh, Romans chapter 8 is where we're going today. And uh, we're finishing up the chapter of Romans 8 that we've been in on this uh, series, uh, Not Condemned. And it's uh, starting, today is starting, our time to celebrate uh, Christmas together, the Advent season together as a church as well. Uh, and we'll be doing that in the weeks to come. By the way, yes, I know this is the best Christmas sweater you've ever seen. And then in two weeks, we will have our annual Christmas sweater, uh, I don't know, extravaganza. I don't know what you want to call it. But anyway, you can pick out your best Christmas sweater and wear it in a couple weeks, two weeks from today, okay? And, uh, you know, we'll see what you got. Uh, and it probably won't be as good as this, but that's okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump into this passage. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. And it says this, it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. God, speak through your word, to our hearts today. Lord, I, I pray that you would change us, that you would make us more like you. I pray, Lord, that we would lean into your scripture today and be reminded of what our hope is really in today. And God, help us to see maybe where we put hope other places instead of you. Lord, just to show us those things so that, so that we can be aware of them, that we can guard our hearts on those things, Lord, that we can be mindful, Lord, that we need you more than we need anything else. God, thank you for your son. We pray all this today in his name. Amen. So this passage is, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, in all these things. Verse 37 right there. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If you were with us last week, then you, I, I started talking about that. You know, I started talking about what in, in all these things is talking about. And all these things is pointing back to through the, 
through the, uh, you, could, you could pick out a couple of verses and I could do that, I think 26, 32, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, in chapter 8, but I, I don't know if Paul's not just talking about at everything he's been talking about up until this point in Romans chapter 8, right? And so in Romans chapter 8, if you look at the passage, uh, you know, as, as a whole or, or even just the whole Romans 1 through 8, you know, could he be talking about, I think it's all kind of tied together. I think it all kind of weaves together and is, and is good. But either way, he's talking about all these sufferings. And he's been listing sufferings. If, you, if you're with us last week, we talked through all of these sufferings. And we spent a great deal of time just talking about, you know, all these things that God allows us to go through at times, you know, and, and we don't like them, right? But we recognize that he uses those things in our lives uh, to, to do things with us, to change us, to mold us, to draw us near to him, uh, you know, whatever it may be. And so, uh, you know, as he's talking about this, and, and I mentioned this last week, he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And, and I brought up uh, briefly last week that it says in and not out of these things. He allows us to be in those things. And maybe you're in a moment of suffering right now or you can look back uh, in your life and, and recognize a moment of suffering that you were in at some point. And, and we've all been there, right? But we went through something. We were in something. We weren't outside of it looking at it going, huh, you know, glad I'm not having to deal with that. No, we're in suffering. We're in these things. And then he goes on and he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, who loved us. So what does it mean for us to be more than conquerors? I got to tell you, this is great stuff. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. You know, more than conquerors. What does that mean? How, how can we be more than a conqueror? I mean, if we're a conqueror, okay, so we have victory over it. And just to go ahead and, and just jump ahead there, through him who loved us, that it's through Jesus that we have victory over any suffering, right? But he's saying here we have victory over all of these things, right? And so as we understand that we have victory over all of these things, you know, and we're then told that we're more than conquerors, that we're more than victorious? Or that, what, what does that mean? How can we be more than a conqueror? How can, how, can we, how can that even be? Schreiner says this to this. He says, to be more than a conqueror over affliction, distress, persecution, and so on, indicates these enemies are actually turned into the good of believers through the power of God. You're like, Chris, what, 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 are, you, what are you getting at? What, what, what are you saying? He's saying that God is using these things that we are in, that we go through, right? He's saying that these things, that God is using them for our good and his glory. Think about it. We talked about this last week. I mean, it's, it's fairly simple, but it's so hard for us to recognize when we are in the moment. We're in the moment of suffering. All we can think about is how can we get out, right? We want out of it so bad. 
that all we can think about is the out. We're, we're looking for the end of the tunnel. We spend every day waking up and praying, God, help me to get out of this thing right now. Pray, you know, send me out of it today. Deliver me out of it today. Make it happen today. Make it go away today, Lord, please. Right? These are the prayers that we pray in those types of moments. And for us to be more than conquerors is for us to understand that we're not just victorious over these things. It's an understanding for us that when we're in them, that we can know that God is using them for his glory and our good. He's, he's actually taking, as, he, as, as Schreiner says here, the enemies that we are dealing with, these, these things, these sufferings that we are coming against, and he is using them for our good. God is for us. God is for us. You know? I talked with a friend recently. He was just, he was just being honest. And, I, and I, I'd rather have the honesty than the, you know, whatever. The fake. Um, and he was just saying, Chris, I've, just, I've, gotten to, I've been in such a moment here that I've, I've literally just been mad at God for what is happening right now? We've all felt that way at some point. By the way, our prayers should be honest with the Lord. He's a big boy. He can take it, okay? He wants to have a relationship with us where we are honest with, with him. When we're pouring our hearts out, when we're speaking with him, seeking him, we don't, we don't need to put on some fake face for God. He wants to work through this stuff with us. God is for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. If you don't believe God is for us, then you're disbelieving the entire Christmas season and what it's based on, right? Emmanuel, God with us. That Jesus came to be with us. The fact that Jesus came to be with us is the proof that he is for us, right? He sent Jesus to die for us. And all these things are making us a little more like Christ and drawing us closer to him. So when we believe he has abandoned us in our trials, we are deceiving ourselves. And we're good at that, right? You know, and we'll blame the devil for it, by the way. You know, I think sometimes he gets too much credit. He's got some involvement, but he's one guy, okay? He's not God. He's not omnipresent and all these things that we want to give him credit for, okay? And we need to be on our guard, Okay? But we also need to be fully aware that Jesus has complete victory over him, okay? And he has died on the cross, and the death that he gave on the cross once and for all was good for all of our sin and every struggle that we will ever have. Satan does not have control of us. He wants us to believe that he does. He does not if we are in Jesus God is with us. And beyond being victorious over these things, 
he makes the bad work for his glory and our good. How does, how does that work out? Well, if he, if, if he uses something that was bad in our life to be for our good at some point, I, I think back to a, a moment in time when, I'll just be honest with you, I had a, I had a real strong grudge against somebody that I hardly knew. And this was in uh, business world type stuff. And i I'll never forget, driving through Nashville one night, I, I, I was passing by the stadium or whatever, just driving down you know, the road. And um, I was going to get something or something by myself. And for whatever reason, in that moment, the Lord just put it on my heart. He said, Chris, you're holding bitterness against this guy. And you need to let it go. In fact, you need to love him. You need to reach out to him. And I just broke. I just broke, you know? And I, I felt like up to that point, I had been through some suffering type stuff, been dealing with some things along with that. But you know what? The Lord used that for my good. And now that guy and I are friends. And it is for my good that we are friends. We're good friends. We eat lunch sometimes together. I get to help him with stuff sometimes now. And I look back on that and go, you know, so yeah, the Lord did all that, allowed me to go through that for my good to help me to see that part of my sinful self. And then for what? Not, not just for my good, for his glory. He, he did that. I didn't do that. He did that. And I get to testify of him doing that in my life. When he does something for our good, he is glorified, right? He's made known. We see him for who he is, working these crazy, awful situations in our lives for our good. Through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And through him, this all happens because we are in Christ. Marita says this, pertaining this, he says, apart from him, we are not conquerors. Apart from Christ, we are conquered by sin and death. We'll read that again. Apart from him, we are not conquerors. Apart from Christ... We will be conquered by sin and death. But in him, we are not destroyed. We are victorious. Victorious. We love victory. We love to win. I mean, I know people, us living around here, we're not used to it a whole lot. You know? But man, when it happens, it's like a breath of fresh air. We're like, oh, we want a game. Woo! I won't throw any of our teams under the bus today. But man, to recognize that the work that Jesus has done has made us victorious over all of it is just absolutely unbelievable. Verse 38 goes on. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers. And he's starting down the list, right? He's starting down the list. Let's go ahead and read 39, and then we'll come back and talk about 38. 
And in 39, he keeps going, says, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is the answer to the question that he has been priming the pump on for verse after verse after verse through Romans 8, right? And what is that question? That question is, what, who can separate us from the love of God, right? Who, what? And then he starts down this list, starting in verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life, right? I am sure. Those first three words right there, for I am sure, first four words, for I am sure he is convinced Paul is convinced of this, and he wants us to be too. He wants us to walk away with assurance, right? That we know this, not, not, just, not just that we know this like we have the knowledge, but that it has been applied to our lives, that it has changed who we are, that it helps us in how we, in fact, it changes us in how we operate daily with the stuff of life, right? The good stuff, the bad stuff, I mean, he's talking about a whole lot of, of you know, tough stuff, bad stuff, you know, up until this, you know, what, what is it that's going to separate us from the love of God? And then he starts, he's starting the answer, but he's starting the answer, you know, we're two verses, you're going to be two verses deep before he really gives the answer, but he's answering it. And he's answering, he starts for, I am sure, I am convinced that neither death nor life, death nor life. So he, he starts off with talking about the spiritual realm, Right? Not things even in the actual event of spiritual death, of a physical death, can separate us from the love of God. Right? Or things throughout this life, death or life, none of it can separate us from the love of God. This is huge. He goes on and he says, even furthermore, he says, nor angels, nor rulers. So, if you look at this in, other, in some of the other translations, some of the other translations say angels and demons. I spent a good while kind of studying on this, and even in the Greek and you know, some of this. Uh, angels is definitely spot on. This uh, ruler, this, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, angels nor rulers uh, thing. You know, it comes real close to, at the end of the, at the, end of the verse, it says nor powers, Right? Uh, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but all three of these, interestingly enough, are kind of being translated in ways that, you know, make us believe that it's probably not something earthly, that it's talking about spiritual realm type stuff, talking about other entities other than even angels, you know, okay? And so, you know, I think, I think the, the natural jump is to go to demons right there. If I'm being honest, that is not the translation. There is another Greek word for demons. That is not the word that's being used here, okay? And so uh, it's used as rulers. Now, uh, you know, is it, when he's talking about rulers, is he talking about, you know, uh, rulers like, you know, you have in class with, like, here's 12 inches and here's your ruler? By the way, I got to tell you a story. <laughs> totally off script. Got to tell it to you. A long time ago, we were kids. I'll make it, I'll make it quick. We were kids. And, and Joey and I used to prank call QVC. And we're talking about, we're like junior high, early, early years of high school, and his sister Ashley, we, actually, we would actually call and then hand her the phone. And she was younger than we were, and we would, we would get her to spend like forever and a day trying to get them to sell us the rulers 
that they were using to measure things with on the TV that we wanted to buy in bulk and that she was a teacher and all this stuff and they just were so kind. God bless the people at QVC that dealt with those phone calls. The rulers here are not for measuring and the truth is, is that the rulers here might be of spiritual realm talking about like, you know, angel, demon kind of stuff, okay? Or it may mean earthly rulers. And there's another passage in Ephesians that kind of causes us to, you know, is this, is this the same as that? We got, you know, and, and so there's, there is this understanding that it's probably not earthly, but it could be. But either way, it doesn't matter because the point that Paul is making is that nothing separates us from the love of Christ. We are more than conquerors over all the things, right? So nor angels, nor rulers, so even things in the spiritual realm, you know, can help, can, can separate us from the love of Christ, nor things present, nor things to come. That, so this gets into our time machine type stuff right here, okay? This is, you know, get the DeLorean out, let's go on a ride. You know, this is, this is that. This is talking about present, future, you know, I'm sure we can throw, we know we can throw past in there because we've got a million scriptures that help us to see that Christ has overcome all those things, right? And so nor things present, nor things to come, nothing in the space-time continuum, okay? I don't know how that doesn't just like take care of all of it right there. But he keeps going, then he says nor powers. And again, when you translate this, this, this word, it tends to lean to being some, you know, also likely an angelic, demonic type, is it, you know, of, the, of another world, you know, kind of deal, you know, nothing that, a, and, and the, at the end, you know, the, the, the most important piece of this is that nothing opposes God's people. Keller says that. Nothing opposes God's people when he's talking about this particular verse. And so for us to understand it doesn't matter what kind of power it is. If it's a power that's earthly, if it's a power not of earth, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a politician, praise the Lord. It doesn't matter if it's something heavenly or hellish. It doesn't matter. Nothing separates us from the love of Christ. Then in verse 39, he keeps going. He says, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nor height, nor depth. So nothing, nothing in all of space, not here, not in some galaxy far, far away, right? Nothing, nor anything else, he says, in all of creation. So if he's missed it, he throws in a, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing you can come up with today can separate you from the love of Jesus. If you know Jesus as your Savior, if you are in Christ, that cannot be taken from you. And no matter how gruesome or awful something may be that you come against in this world, it cannot separate you from His love. Nothing, 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 nothing separates us from the love of Christ. And then you've got to ask the question, why? Why? 
Because he loves us. Hard for us to wrap our minds around, isn't it? Because with that too, we just ask, but why? (laughs) Why does he love us? Because he does. Period. It's like when a parent says, hey, I need you to do that. And the kid goes, why? And the parent goes, because I said so. That's the Lord here. Because I do. Because I do. And again, if you want to come back and go, well, Chris, you don't know what I've been through, and I'm just here to tell you God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. I'm going to come back to the gospel and say, oh, but he does. Oh, but he does. He sent Jesus for you. He sent Jesus for you. He wants you to not just know him, he wants you to be changed by him. He, he, he didn't stay out of it. He got in it to be in it with us that we might know him that we might be changed by him he chooses to that's why he chooses to love us not because we deserve it he wants to so much so that he saved us from our own junk by sending his son bailed us out bailed us out you ever know someone, you ever you have a friend maybe when you're growing up or something like who just like maybe they just constantly got in trouble with parents, always bailed them out, you know? I think we all kind of knew somebody like that, you know? I, I remember one guy, his, I mean, this dude, he was always getting in trouble. I mean, and to the point like, you know, at one point he was, he was dealing and I mean just all kinds of stuff and, you know, and, and we'd just be like, man, you know, and he'd like wreck a brand new car and then he'd get another brand new car and we'd be like, what is going on? Like, you know? That's us and the Lord. That's us and the Lord. He just keeps bailing us out over and over and over. We'll sin against him, and what's he do? He bails us out again. He keeps on loving us. Keeps on taking care of us. Keeps on being there for us. God bailed us out. And today... Our hope, our hope can't be in the things of this world. They've got to be in Jesus. It's the only real hope that we have. And just like thousands of years ago when God's people hoped upon a Messiah to come, a Savior that was prophesied about, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he came here to be with us, to save us. And that's what we celebrate this time of year. That's what our hope is in today. Not in just hoping that we make it till next week, although you may be there. And I understand if you are. And I'd love to just hug your neck, pray for you. But that we understand that our hope isn't in the things that here, 
that it's in him. It's in what he's done. And that he's not done. And he's coming again. Matthew 24, 42 says this. It says, therefore, this is Jesus, by the way, talking about himself. It says, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Therefore, you must be ready. Therefore, you must be ready. Are you ready? Do you know Jesus? love to talk with you about him today, pray with you about him today. After, after I go out here, we're going to take communion in a little while. When, I'm, when we're doing that, I'll be out in the foyer. I'd love to talk with you about what it means to know Christ. Ray Ortland shares this passage from Psalm 23. And he says this about it. He says, this is the Romans 8 of the New Testament. Psalm 23, 6. And he says, it says this. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an amazing passage for us to live by daily, to be reminded of who God is and what He's doing. This is a life-changing passage of Scripture, in my opinion. If we take to heart this passage of Scripture, this is a life-changing passage of Scripture. It is a completely different outlook than, I don't know if I'm going to make it today. I don't know if I'm going to make it till next week. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this thing. And believe me, I understand all those things and have felt those things to the nth degree at different moments in my life and still do sometimes. And we all still will at sometimes. Okay, so this is not a guilt thing if you're not there right now, but it's an understanding that this is a completely different outlook in our life as to who Jesus is and how he has changed our lives. In 1988, um, the U.S. men's Olympic basketball team went and played in the Olympics. Imagine that, since they're the Olympic team. And uh, you're welcome. And uh, we were not we were not the best, right? We were not the best. And uh, in fact, we got the bronze. And we were beaten by the USSR, who got the gold. And, um, you know, we don't like to lose. Nobody likes to lose, right? Everybody wants to be victorious. So things changed, and one thing led to another. And by 1991, it was decided that professional athletes from a country that even played professional ball could be on an Olympic team. And therefore, we got, in 1992, one of God's greatest gifts to all of humankind. And we call them the Dream Team. Okay? Now, if you weren't alive in 1992, go back and watch some videos. If you were alive in 1992, if you don't know what I'm talking about, 
you not only were hiding under a rock, you didn't even have electricity. But we had this team built of guys like Charles Barkley, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Scottie Pippen, Stockton, Michael Jordan, Christian Leitner. What? They chose him over Shaquille O'Neal at that moment. Do you know that, historically? Not sure that was the best decision. Love you, Christian. Just not sure. Either way, either way, we had the greatest basketball team probably that the world will ever know, okay? And you can argue with that all you want to, and you'll always be wrong, okay? <laughs> when they were practicing, they were playing against each other, as oftentimes teams will do when they're practicing. And you can imagine these guys, like the best of the best, like practicing against each other, playing, you know, five-on-five, five, whatever. And, um, and when they were practicing, uh, Magic Johnson ended up kind of leading a team, and then, uh, you know, Jordan kind of ended up leading a team. And in the middle of the practicing back and forth, there was a moment there where uh, Magic's team was actually beating Jordan's team. And when they're on the court, they're, of course, talking trash to each other and all this kind of stuff. And as the story is told by Magic Johnson, he says, you know, there was a moment there where I looked at Michael when we were on the court, and I looked at him and said, and of course this is in the height of him having commercials all the time and all this kind of stuff from all these products and endorsements. And Magic looks at him and says, hey man, you're you going to have to turn on that Air Jordan something here in a minute or we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna beat the mess out of you, right? And Magic says now, that was the absolute worst thing I could have ever said to him. And anybody that knows anything about Michael Jordan knows that he thrives. He thrives, not just from competition, but he thrives from stuff like that. You don't, you don't ever make him think that you actually believe that you are better than him in, at really anything, according to what most people say. And so in that moment, he turned it on, and his team absolutely stomped the other team. At the 1992 Summer Olympics held in Barcelona, the team defeated its opponents by an average of 44 points a game to go on and win the gold medal against Croatia. The team was undefeated with their closest outing being a 32-point lead victory over Croatia for the gold medal. If I'm going to play basketball and I got the chance to pick anybody to be on my team, in fact, to just pick a team that I want to be on, and I might be the worst basketball player ever, but if I could pick whoever, and it's 1992, I, if I could pick whoever, and it's 2024, I'll probably still pick those guys. And can you imagine getting to be on a team where you don't wonder, will we win today? You know we'll win today. Right? That's the outlook change that this passage of Scripture should have on us as believers that we recognize that all these things that we feel like are coming against us, we are already victorious over all of them 
Every single one of them. Nothing can hold a candle to our Jesus. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You say, well, how do I do it, Chris? How do I I trust? You take heart. John 16.33 says this. It says, For I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What do you say? Who is this? Oh, this is Jesus. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Furthermore, Romans 1.16 says this. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So literally everybody, right? And then in verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteousness, the, I'm sorry, the righteous shall live by faith. We, you and I, bought with the blood of Jesus, need to live by faith. Put our faith in Jesus and remember that he has overcome the world. And that ought to be like walking around playing with the dream team. Stop putting faith in what you are capable of. Stop putting hope in the things of this world. In what you do or don't have. In what you are good at or not good at. Put your faith in Christ to do what you cannot save you, bring peace to you, lead you through tough moments. He wants to do these things in our lives. Surrender your life to Him today. Trust His Word and not your feelings. Our hope has to be in Jesus. Do not fear, only believe. Jesus is our only hope. Do you believe that today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the reminder of what you've done through your son, Jesus. Help us to trust it daily, moment by moment. May we cling to the truth of the gospel that you came to be with us, that we celebrate right now this time of year because of the decision that you made to love us unconditionally. Thank you for sending Jesus to be with us. God, may we trust in him. Lord, for anyone who's never trusted in him, I pray that right now, Lord, that they would meet me in the the foyer, Lord, to pray and seek what it means to trust in Christ as their Savior. God, thank you for your truth today. Thank you for reminding us that all hope is in you today. Help us to trust it. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.